Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of I Cast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we go through the campaign, Tyranny of Dragons. I'm Thomas, the DM for your adventure, and around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Last we left our adventurers... They had successfully defeated Mondath in her transformed state where she had become a creature that was not quite dragon and also not quite human. After taking a minute, clearing the room of any enemies and healing up a bit, everyone spread out to investigate Mondath's lair, which culminated in Apel completely destroying the room and all surrounding rooms of any furniture. Now, with the necessary papers for Leosin, the treasures that were cleverly hidden in the rooms, and also the dragon eggs safely tucked away, the group left the cave for the last time, permanently ending this branch of the Cult of the Dragons. This accomplishment affected each party member in a different way. Fleeple, with the determination and purpose to extinguish this cult. Mal, with possible confusion on if her rage is aiding or hurting her. And Lance, with fear over his past mistakes and his efforts to atone for them. With these voices bombarding Lance in particular as they exit the caldera, he distinctly hears the recently deceased Mondath's voice, joining the choir of voices that seem to follow him wherever he goes. Back in Greenest, after depositing the Barbarian Sisters and Tommy Wingso, the Jank Squad received a message from Leosin urging them all to join him at the renowned Candlekeep Library west of Greenest. With the group having formed a lasting bond over the past few days, they purchase some mounts and head west off towards Candlekeep Library. So having bought these mounts and heading west, it being about a week, week and a half journey, what key moments do each of you want to have on this journey? Uh, is there anything that you want to accomplish over this week or week and a half in particular or any conversations you'd like to have? Is there any other stuff that I might be able to glean from Mondath's notes that I haven't already gleaned previously? Excellent. Uh, yeah, you could definitely spend a lot of your time, especially at night as you're creating the camp or after the camp's already been up before people start taking watch. You can definitely start uh, picking at the notes from Mondath and the desk and like her dresser that you pulled out. Before you roll anything, let me go ahead and just state a few things that you recognize here. First and foremost... Uh, you find another sh piece of parchment that is also poetry. Mm. And because of your previous interaction with these notes, you know that this is probably some sort of cipher here. And so trying to break that cipher, I'll allow, uh, I'll allow an investigation check uh, to try and crack this cipher to where you can maybe glean some more of her notes so that when you get to Leosin, you have information that uh, is ready. Now, I'll say... Over the journey of this week or week and a half, I will allow probably two rolls in particular, just because this is going to take a lot of hours to study. It's difficult to have concentrated study while you're on a mount, so I imagine that most of your time would be spent, like I said, around that campfire. So it's not as much time as you as, as you could have once you get to the keep here. All right because we're all doing this together. As I see kind of Fleeple starting to go through the notes and things like that, I'm just going to kind of go up and be like, what are, you, what are you trying to do? Well, obviously Mondath is reporting to somebody and there's some crazy mixed up ciphers going on. Just trying to see if there's anything else I can discern. 
Um, uh, would you like me to help with that? I would, I would actually really love for you to help with that, because my investigation is poor. I don't... Yes, I, I would be willing to help. I actually have some experience with kind of seeing what's behind the pages of notes. So I, I, I think I could be of help for you, Fleeple. Very good. If, if the gods are willing, I will accept your help. Yes, of course. This is a great opportunity to kind of put your minds together, as you did with Leosin back in uh, Greenest Keep here. So, uh, would each of you like to make the roll separately, or would one of you like to make it with advantage? Uh, if we're studying together, I'm probably going to pass that over to Lance <laughs> and give him guidance. And give me guidance. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, Fleeple is going, ah, I need to figure out what's on these pages. Lance? Here you go. <laughs> Here you are. <laughs> um, what, what, is your, what is your investigation? My investigation is plus one. Oh yeah, mine's nine, so that's a good thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Is this level five business here that caused it to be nine? This is oh, me being an expert with investigation. Expertise. Yeah, we, if, if you had listened to our episode of Crunch Squad, then you would know about how all this works. Yeah. Lance, oh. go and roll me an investigation with advantage Bull. and guidance. N- not good rolls. Not good rolls for both. <laughs> But with guidance, which is a one, <laughs> 16, 16 total. Well, Lance, as this is quite honestly, just over the past few weeks interaction, this is kind of a fa- fairly new still. Like, although like, yes, you, you have been able to crack ciphers in the past, but that life was behind you. It was gone. And, uh, you find yourself having to dust the cobwebs off a little bit here. With Fleeple patting your shoulder, saying, You got this, sport. You start reading this poem, and you can tell, and where Fleeple points out, like you definitely are aware, like, yeah, this, this line obviously is some sort of cipher here. Some sort of code needs to be cracked here. And you get, actually, probably a good third of it cracked. But after a couple days, it's just like, whew. It's a lot more difficult than initially uh, maybe you thought it was, or it was in the past in your previous life here. Like I said, I'll allow one more roll for this, so you could do that again, Lance, uh, with advantage, and I assume guidance from Fleeple here, unless Fleeple, you'd like to take that responsibility back. Uh, sports, sports still got it. <laughs> All right. All right, I'm going to crack this. I'm going to crack it. Better with guidance. Okay. 29. Oh! Lance, with this, you really are welcoming Fleeple into this part of your life. And Fleeple, it's just further uh, cements this uh, idea and this uh, this bond between all of you. And so this time, working on it for the last couple of days, there it's it's very jovial. And you, you both are essentially mocking uh, the poetry because it is quite horrible, but, you know, there's a purpose to it. (laughs) Fire and liar? (laughs) Easy rhyme. Easy rhyme. (laughs) I don't even know if fire has one syllable or two. Fire. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Fire. 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 With this jovial attitude, uh, the work goes by a lot easier, a lot faster. And and Fleeple, you're actually able to pick up a few things from Lance um, as he's pointing out some things to you. And with the 29, uh, was still a day's ride to Candlekeep. You cracked the cipher. 
and all of these papers now are open to you. And so you can read through them at your leisure. The last day, before you get to Candlekeep, I imagine, Fleeple, you're very intrigued to read through as much as you possibly can, yes? Very yes. Okay. In particular, these papers, uh, the previous papers were discussing this impatience, this sort of outrage from Mondath to Resmir, in particular, about leaving her as a babysitter. And you could tell from those papers and from your interaction with her that she was being punished to stay there for failing, for allowing traitors to enter into the camp. These papers definitely build on that, but instead of them being a lot of letters to Resmir, they more are personal letters. Plans that she had in motion. Mm. Ideas that she had to get out of the current situation she was in. And although it's not discussed entirely, she talks about the secret that she has, uh, specifically referring to these dragon teeth, these glowing arcane dragon teeth that not even Resmir is aware of, and that she can use this to her advantage, and how she can go over Resmir's head, and she can find, she can be found in good favor once again. So Mondath is trying to be like, oh, hey, look at this cool thing I can do that Resmir can't do. You should give me a promotion. Exactly. And if you recall the previous letters, they made mention of a mask. Mm-hmm. On a worm? In this set of letters, that's discussed again in a letter to Resmir. And the, the way that it's referenced is in honor or deference complete tonal shift of the previous ones where she was complaining it seems she tried to t a different tactic oh great whereas mere honored worm speaker holder of the mask and the fact that it's mentioned in both sets of letters here and this letter is unfinished it's as if she was interrupted by something as she was writing it you don't say but the fact that it's mentioned twice solidifies in your mind that there is something more to these masks. Why are these masks being held so secretively in this cipher and protected? And why is no one else in the cult sharing that information freely? Mm -hmm. So kind of again, going back to ostensibly, these guys are all on the same team trying to bring Tiamat back, but everybody's looking out for themselves. Exactly. Do we know that they're trying to bring Tiamat back? Sorry, I don't, I don't remember if they explicitly told you do. us that. Okay. Yeah, Kava mentioned it to you. The, uh, the, the woman in the green dress who is the recruiter, uh, she's, she specifically made mention of that. So this unsent letter, what is, uh, what's kind of the message? How, how uh, much of a message do we have before it cuts off? It's only a few paragraphs. Mm-hmm. It's... it's uh, salutations it's a greeting and uh then it says um the eggs are progressing well we should have they should be hatching in the next few weeks to which i will immediately send word to you via arcane means to where you can welcome them soon after their birth our food supplies are and then it cuts off i turn to lance and mal and i say are either of you any good at forgery um i have I have seen it done, but I have not, um, I've not done it myself. Hmm. Well, there's probably somebody at this candle keep 
who can do some forgery work on our behalf, because I think this is a great way to get an earworm into... Is that the, to pour the poison in the ear of... We're going to sabotage the cult by writing a letter as if we're Mondath, sending it to Resmir. Oh, goodness. I checked to see if there's, like, a return address on the letter. Yeah. yeah. Where's it postmarked to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Se- secret cult headquarters, Montana. <laughs> it just gives the address. Uh, unfortunately, there is no address, city, zip code um, that's written on uh, these these parchment. It, it just looks like it was the start of a letter. Dang, so unfortunately, that's, that's unfortunate there because the the Sword Coast has such a robust zip code system. I mean, Waterdeep is known for their speedy speedy delivery. Yeah, speedy delivery. Dang it. Well, hmm. I I look at this letter and I am like, somebody at Candlekeep will be able to help us forge a letter and to be able to figure out how to get it to Resmir. I don't know how yet, but uh, Candlekeep's where all the smart people are. So I'm going to keep that in the back of my brain. What do you want to do with this letter? So uh, that's what message would we send? I think, I think this would be a good opportunity. Obviously, Resmir wants to come and find these dragons once they've been hatched. So we could set up a trap, be like, "Hey, come find the dragons! They're so excited to meet you at this location when they arrive." What's that? Oh, it's a murder party waiting for them. <laughs> oh, it's a murder! <laughs> it's a murder party. <laughs> well, oh, do we? I mean. I don't know if anyone's if anyone's good with. Do we know if these dra- if these eggs are actually dragon eggs, or are they like some kind of weird hybrid, like she was developing with the tooth that she's have like, or it's like one of those half dragons that that uh, we moonbeamed to death. Ah, uh, yeah, that we we moonbeamed. Okay. Well, I mean. To be fair, I spread, I just spread the the accomplishment to everybody. Whereas those two fetching barbarians were like, "Oh, it's the dragon killer," and I'm like, "Yeah, crap. that is true." Oh, oh, so this is this is like how after people have been married for a while, even if they're just it's talking like we, about themselves, they still pregnant. say, "We, we're pregnant. Yes. We have the we dragon eggs. These dragon yes. eggs. Yes. yes, exactly, exactly." Mm-hmm. We need to do the dishes. I'm going to bed, so we need to do them. Good night. Exactly. <laughs> oh, okay, I understand now. Fleeple, your passive perception is 15, correct? My passive perception is now 17, somehow. 17, yeah. Okay, 17. And proficiency bumped it up. Oh, look at me. I'm now 14. <laughs> Oh, well then, well then, Mal, what's your passive perception? Just so I can get all of the all the numbers out. Thirteen. I'm strong and I punch things really hard. <laughs> <laughs> and aren't we grateful for don't, that? Don't need to use that brain muscle. Yeah, I just need to kill an entire room full of cultists while me and Lance are trying to deal with one person. <laughs> Twice. While dark black smoke rises off of you like Dark Link. Fleeple. While this conversation is occurring, and mind you, this is again after the night has started to settle, like it's it's not quite bedtime, but you're around the fire. With your passive perception being so incredibly high, a 17, you 
just you're not you're not looking directly at the fire because you know that would blind you to your surroundings here and that just wouldn't be wise wouldn't be smart it's not what could keep you alive like you managed to survive in your own clan and so as you're just out of habit looking around um, while having this conversation you see some leaves and some branches that are close to the ground start to move unnaturally against the wind in two distinct locations around your camp. Hmm. Do I notice anything that might be stirring those leaves and branches? With your passive perception so high. One of them in particular, just as you were catching it, you see a hand slowly like it was trying to hold back the branch from moving too much. And so you see it slowly being withdrawn back behind it. The image I have in my brain is almost like in the first Lord of the Rings movie when Gollum's fingers come up out of the darkness. Just like these really nasty, creepy hands. That's what I got in my brain. <laughs> well, it's hard to see because the firelight is the only light around you. This, uh, The moon is actually covered with uh, it's a clouded night, so you're not able to make out much from what your fire can extend. And although it does extend a fair bit around you, a good 30 feet around... It was just too far and too quick and honestly too shocking for you to be able to make out many details. So it could be a really disgusting creepy finger hand retracting back behind the leaves. Mm -hmm. But you know immediately that there are some sort of humanoids that seem for some reason are around your camp. Oh, we've got all of this salami and no friendly strangers to share it with. How did we get salami? Just so <laughs> I stole it back from, from Bevan when we were in town. Oh, you're sleeple. I know he I know you had you had back wages, but come on. <laughs> you know, I, I felt remorseful, so I gave it back to Bevan, but then I felt remorseful about my remorse, so I stole it's it, we have cheese and salami again now is what I'm saying. Dang, you're just like you're the salami king. So, um, Fleeple, it sounds like you are, uh, I guess, what was what is your intent with that uh, comment? Are you intending to coax them into the fire? Or? Yeah, so here's, here's, my, here's my logic. They pop out of the bush, it's like, well, don't mind if I do. Well, see, here's the thing. If they do pop out of the bush and are like, hey, then we can know that they're friendly. And if we don't get any response then obviously they're not friends because they don't they want, want our salami. They want that salami for themselves. Yes. So, Fleeple, as really the three of you being alerted to this are looking around and waiting, nobody joins. Are we alerted to it? Well, with Fleeple's comment, we have strangers. Oh, oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe. Oh, he said we have strangers? He said we have all this salami and nobody to eat it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just in a state of like, yes, we do, but it's okay. <laughs> Odd thing to say. Fleeple, with your comment, you being a little maybe on edge here and just being hyper aware and your teammates just like getting their bedroll like moved out. Like uh, Mal, I imagine maybe you're taking care of the horse or things like uh, your horse. The one with the figure or whose hand slunk back behind the branches, Fleeple. Um, actually, I'll allow you to roll a perception check here. You are aware of their presence. Go ahead and roll. You got this, sport. <laughs> oh, come on. That's a 13. 13, okay. Your heart is beating. And only your 13 is a little low. 
your passive perception still you're looking away from where you saw the hand you're like i know somebody's there so i'm looking elsewhere and so passively you can still see in that area there is like a jolt of movement not like they're rushing into the camp more like they feel like they've been had and so they just stop but it's it's very abrupt and so you're able to see like the leaves like give a little and then immediately retract mm-hmm. but that's all you see with your active perception concern it do i do something impulsive because lance isn't gonna like that and we're trying to be a better team you just you do your thing you do your thing man I turn to I turn to Mal and Lance, and I say, "Pardon me, I need to use the I, I need to make a tribute to the toilet god real quick," and I step out of the campsite. Porcelain, porcelain, <laughs> porcelain, and I I step out of camp and I start moving straight in the direction of the individual that I saw, and I'm just kind of whistling, whistling a little uh, royalty-free tune. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, I'll allow you a either performance or a deception check if you'd like. You know, Malamara, I, I'm concerned about Fleeple's indigestion. He just eats so much cheese and salami. It's, it seems like he's always <laughs> needing to use the bathroom. I mean, this is just an... He just went like five minutes ago. At this point, he will become a cleric for porcelain. <laughs> so I'm, I'm moving into the shadows. You got this sport. You're gonna find the perp. And um, <laughs> that is surprisingly good. That's a 21. 21? Yeah. Okay. As, and you're heading directly to where you saw the movement in the bushes, yes? Yes. I'm moving nonchalantly, but as soon as I get close enough, primal savagery, man, that's gonna happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so as you are, you're, you're walking like, and you're just kind of like making your way over. You get to that swath of branches, and you kind of push them aside, and immediately you're on heightened alert. You have enhanced dark vision, I believe, right, as a kobold? Just regular dark vision, it turns out. Yeah, it's odd. I have sunlight sensitivity, but not enhanced dark vision, which feels a little janky, but what you gonna do? Well, you are the jank squad, so... And as you get there, you're starting to look around just nonchalantly, and you don't see anybody there. Hmm. I am going to... I'm going to continue to pretend to... I'm going to select one of these trees and see if anybody, like, tries to sneak out of the darkness to try and slip my throat. And if they do, primal savagery. Me and Mal are just going to get fireballed. (laughs) (laughs) So as you are going about nature's call, you're standing there and uh, putting on a facade, or maybe not, uh, regardless, sure enough, you hear some footsteps behind you, and they are very quiet. And if you weren't heightened already to, like, the peak heightened individual that you are, uh, you wouldn't pick it up, and you wait until they get directly on you. And as you know, they're directly on you. I'll allow you an attack with primal savagery here. Okay. Can I can I impulsively in the last moment, since I know that they're sneaking up on me, can I swap that out for a thunder wave instead? Absolutely. Go for it. All right. So I'll allow a thunder wave. <laughs> so there's going to be a DC 50 constitu- 15 constitution saving throw. 50? Let me... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, take that. You know what? We're about to take a long rest. I'll dump a third level spell slot for this because I got third level spell oh, slots now. That was an 11 they rolled? <laughs> that is a failure, meaning this poor individual is going to take 19 thunder damage. Wow. Okay. I love this choice. As this is happening, Mal and Lance actually, before Fleeple unloads this uh, thunder wave here, both of you are having a conversation. You're discussing, and uh, Mal, you're by your uh, mount, and uh, Lance, you're by the fire, like, stoking it a little bit, just within 10 feet of each other. I'm just saying we should, like, sneak some greens in to give him some greens, you know, get some roughage going in the digestive system. You're not, you're not wrong. I, I think I, you know, when I was, when I was growing up, we used to chew on this type of bark when we were out hunting. I mean, I just don't think... You hear this massive thunder wave explode from the bushes. I'm just going to turn to Mal and like just hearing this boom. And I'm going to be like, that was his bathroom break. (laughs) (laughs) And immediately following, there's a body that slumps 10 feet away from you. As it flies 15 feet away from Fleeple into the campsite. I need everybody roll initiative. I just like how this whole, like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Thunder wave. Boom. <laughs> Ned's like, I'm going to dump a third level spell. I'm going to unload this. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Ooh, honey. Okay, 20 to 25. 22. Natural 20 for a 22. Nice. Well, let's honor that and have Mal go first, if that's all right, Fleeple. Very much so, yeah. Lance, what'd you get? 19. Mmm! Wow! I was right there. Okay. Really glad this is an important battle, guys. This is a very important battle. This is a battle of our lives. The battle of the bowel. Oh, boy. Okay. For this stranger who's just wanting some salami... That's That was his internal monologue as he was coming up behind me to slit my throat. Go get that salami. It's going to be all mine. I don't have to share this salami. <laughs> so, Mal, you lead us off, actually, with Fleeple uh, close behind. Now, Mal, what you can see, actually, this body slumps in front of you. All of you are aware of this, and Fleeple... As you are all aware of this, you struggle, uh, you, you stand up in the darkness, shocked at what's going on here. As I said, this moon being covered by the clouds this evening, and the fire seems to suddenly illuminate from this jolt of air, this rush of air, and this battle beginning, bathing light upon all of you. And with the light properly shining, this individual on their back and their hood falling off of their face... You not only see this person, but off to the side, you also see somebody that was trying to sneak up on you. Their hood also pulled back behind them, a sword out, ready for battle. These individuals, however, are not familiar to you. They are appear to be humanoids, and they look like, at one point in time, they could have been elves or some similar race. But at first glance, to at least Lance and Mal, who have a clear view of them, they seem alien to you. Each of their bodies are tall and lithe, which is enhanced with how dexterous this individual with the sword is as they are trying to sneak up towards you. Now, the one with the sword is intent and focused on you, Mal, while the one who is just in robes looks like the wind has been knocked out of them. 
However, all of these details cannot distract you from the most defining features that they have, and that is their yellow tinted skin and distinct brown spots that cover their eyes that seem to freckle their nose and around their forehead and even down to their chin. That is what you see going into this battle. Hmm. You have two individuals, one on the ground in front of you and one coming out to the side. What do you do? Um, Mal will run past the unconscious thing on the ground. It used to be an elf thing. And poison spray it in the face um, as she's grabbing out her spear and heading toward the one that's still standing. Sounds good. So poison spray to the one on the ground. Is that a con save? Uh, yep, it is. Okay. And what's the save? 12. They rolled a non-natural 20. So is that half damage? No, I, it negates. Oh, it negates. Yeah. It's just a cantrip. Oh, yep. There you go. Then with my bonus action, I will cast Hex on the one that's standing as I'm running with my spear out. Excellent. Now you can get any distance you want away from them. They are within 30 feet. Are you running right up to them or are you going to put yourself a certain distance away? Right up to them. Right up. Excellent. So uh, you cast Poison Spray and then with uh, your bonus action, you cast Hex. This These shadows uh, seem to cling to them until the shadows seem to ignite in this reddish sort of chaotic energy that <clears throat> kind of like seems to want to lunge off the body towards you and, and out. And as you are right in front of them, you hold up your hand and your spear ready for an oncoming attack. Mouth, that is your go. Fleeple, it's your go. Yeah, I'm going to rush into where this uh, fallen individual is, try and get a good look at this critter. Ned has an idea in his brain. Fleeple might not, but just for Ned's context... Does the nose of this creature exist somewhere between a regular human noise and Voldemort's nose? Yes. Okay. So Ned knows what this is. Fleeple probably doesn't. So I'm going to look at it uh, kind of in shock. And man, I feel like now Fleeple wants to try and get information from this thing instead of killing it. But they are looking fairly aggressive. They're obviously hostile. That I mean, that's that's very apparent. They were trying to sneak up on you. Uh, the one with the sword is looking like they're going to draw blood against Mal. Um, and they have, like, death in their eyes uh, when they stare at her, especially with the red that's uh, around their body. It just enhances their solemn and, like, uh, rage-filled face. Okay, yeah. Uh, guy who's down on the ground. I'm going to pull out a new spell of mine. I'm going to pull out a little gilded flower and I'm going to uh, kind of toss it towards the ground. And as before it hits, however, a little ethereal image starts to build up around it. Kind of a satyr looking little thing, but definitely sheep instead of goat and much more sheep-like throughout than humanoid. And I had cast Summon Fae. And I've got my little fey spirit next to me now. So casting that is my action. And now when I cast the spell, I get to choose the mood of the fey spirit, whether it is fuming, mirthful, or tricksy. I want <laughs> <laughs> I want the spirit to be... Trixie. Ooh, Trixie? Okay, we'll go with Trixie. Oh, oh, Trixie. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to have the spirit be mirthful because I am intrigued by these guys. And the whole shtick with it being mirthful is it can use its bonus action to teleport up to 30 feet using a face step. And when it does that, it gets a certain effect based on its emotion. And if it's mirthful, it can force one creature it can see within 10 feet to make a wisdom saving throw against my spell save. And unless the save succeeds, the target is charmed by me and my face spirit for one minute or until the target takes any damage. Wow. So. Okay. I bring out my phase spirit. It shares my initiative uh, and takes its turn immediately after mine. Uh, it obeys my verbal Go commands. No action required from me. Thank goodness. The, the new summoning spells in Tasha's Cauldron are so good, guys. <sighs> They're amazing. Yeah, Tasha just streamlined the... Sum- yeah. We're all grateful for, to Wizards of the Coast for the new summoning spells. <laughs> yeah. So I am going to command my face spirit to use its face step as a bonus action to teleport just kind of to the other side of this creature. Well, actually, first. So the interesting thing about the face spirit's charm is it doesn't necessarily require that. It's because like some charm spells, it's like if you're in combat with this thing, then it's more difficult to charm it, but there's no such stipulation here. So I'm going to have my face spirit attack it first and then teleport to the other side and try and charm it. Try and bring those hit points down. Sounds good. Now, um, this is on the ground, so it's doing a melee attack against the creature. Mm -hmm. All right, that's with advantage then because they are prone. So it makes one short sword attack. And that is going to be a 25 to hit. That is a hit. Go and roll damage, sir. All right. That is going to be... Okay. One plus three plus three. Seven piercing damage plus four force damage. Okay. So for a total of 11 damage. Whew. Well. And now it poofs to the other side. And the creature has to make a wisdom saving throw, DC 15, or be charmed by me and my new friend here. Sheesh, Louise. It rolled a 15. 15, so that succeeds. Just barely. Yeah. But this individual, this creature, is looking very hurt. Very hurt. And as you blew it backwards, it's like its arm dislocated, and it put it back in, and then you summoned this face spirit, and which did damage, and it just... Ugh, it can't grab on and block against this attack, so it's looking very hurt. All right, and then with my bonus action, I will just loom over its face and say, you got one more chance to take the salami. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Uh, the, any movement at all, Fleeple? Nope, that'll do it for me. I'll do it for the okay. fleep. Sounds good. We're going to go to the warrior, as I'll call him, uh, standing in front of Mal. And they are actually going to make an attack against you, Malamara. They've got this uh, reddish hue building off of them. Oof. Doesn't a 13 hit? It does not. Oh, dang it. An armor defense, baby. Well, it gets a multi-attack here, and so does a 17 hit. An armor defense? <laughs> That's exactly my armor class. Ah, so they succeed, yes? Yes. Okay, great. Okay, so they are going to do eight points of, uh, ten points of slashing damage plus ten points of psychic damage. Oof. 
So as this sword, the first one, you block it with your spear. You just knock it out with the wood. Immediately afterwards, with a quickness that you weren't expecting, it just swings around and it sort of seems to butt you with the bottom of his sword, which has a, a spike to it, we'll say. And it just goes right into your, uh, your side and it does an intense damage. And immediately following after this, you feel this wave come over your mind and it, it you actually scream in pain. It is so sudden. It's not something you were expecting. It's like somebody just jammed something through your brain. Um, and you've taken a big hit from this individual. Uh, you open your eyes and the individual's gone. And Fleeple, just as you're looming over this figure right next to you, this warrior is standing immediately next to you. It Ooh. seems they have transported to the other side of the battlefield, 20 feet away from Malamara. That is its turn. Lance, it is your go. <laughs> so, everybody's within 30 feet of you, Lance. Okay. If we put this fire pit north, you know, just top, bottom, left, right, where is Malamara? So, Malamara is to the west of the fire pit, um, so to your left, and she's about 10 feet away from you. Fleeple and now the two enemies with their spear are 10 feet away from you on the east side. So you are directly in between both of your party members here, the same distance away. Okay. I'm going to run over to Fleeple because I just saw what this thing did to Malamara and now I'm like, <gasps> Fleeple! And I'm going to try and get in a flank position with Fleeple so that I can attack it hopefully with advantage. Easy enough to do. Yeah, like I said, you have everybody's within 30 feet. So you you rush over to the other side and you, you sort of like dodge out of the way as they try to like they s try to defensively swing their sword towards you. But you get close enough to where you're in a flanking position and you go in for the attack. Go and roll with advantage. All right. There we go. That's going to be like 24. 24. Uh, that is a hit. And it is sneak attack. Yep, because you rolled with advantage. 19 points of damage. Whew, okay. So it was your first attack? That was my first attack, and I was thinking about using my bonus action with the dagger, but instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to back away, and I know he's going to get an opportunity attack, which I'm okay with. So I'm going to back away. Uh, he is going to take that opportunity attack. Uh, does a 22 hit? Yes, it does. Okay, 22. He does 8 points of slashing damage and six points of psychic damage to you. Uncanny dodge. Okay, nice. So that's halved. So 16, eight points only. That's correct. And so I'm gonna do that and then I'm going to, cause you said our campsite was like surrounded by tall grass. So I'm assuming we're in tall grass right now. So I'm going to then kind of do a backflip roll and bonus action hide. So I'm gonna like, as I'm backing up, I'm gonna uh, get hit and then Roll backward and go, disappear. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Go and roll a stealth check. Natural 20. Ooh, oh, for a total, for a total of what? 27. Get out of here. Okay. So you're like, oh, and then just gone. You you disappear from the light. Dude, speaking of uh, level five, your sneak attack's what? 3d6 now? It's 3d6, yep. Dude, oh my nice. gosh, that's so Plus great. Plus my regular so damage great. dice, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so that's Lance's turn. Anything else on your turn, Lance? I believe that was your movement action bonus action, yeah? That is my movement. Yeah, yeah. 
Everything's good. Okay. Sounds good. Mel, as you're recovering from the psychic damage, in your mind, you hear a voice. Better look behind you. And as you look behind you, and the voice you know was very familiar. It's not the voices of these individuals. It was a warning. And as you turn around, you see coming from the tree directly above you, another individual fist out going straight for your face. You dodge out of the way. They go right into the ground. And as they do, you see a little shockwave coming out from their fist and it disrupts the grasp and flowers uh, sort of like uh, erupt into the sky there. And immediately afterwards, they come at you with their their leg and go directly for your face. You're sending monks at us? Send something after us. Does a 15 hit? Does not. Ah, okay. So the fist goes down. The, the, the foot immediately comes directly for your head. And as it does, you dodge out of the way and you're able to just bypass it. And almost crouched and holding their ground, they're just staring up at you and they don't move. And that is their turn. They sort of growl. Interesting thing when they growl, though, it's almost as if their voice has a weird reverb to it. As they growl, you can see their lips start to move and you hear it as soon as they move their lips. But immediately afterwards, with like a half second delay, you hear it again overlapping on top of itself. And so they seem to speak and then what they say or what they do immediately follows directly behind it in a five second delay. It's very disorienting, very confusing, and it's off-putting to say the least. So that's his turn. Fleeple, the creature on the ground, successfully pushed away the charm against uh, from you, and this warrior is right next to you. And this one is very bloody, very, it pulls its hand away, and as you do, the, the blood is bright green. Mm. Uh, not at all the blood that you've seen before. And it mutters something to itself. Again, that weird reverb effect to its voice. And the body disappears from view. The hurt one disappeared or the standing one disappeared? The hurt one disappeared. That is going to be its turn. And we find ourselves back to the top of the round with Mal directly in front of this monk, if you will, as Jacob put it, trying to hit you twice unsuccessful your patrons seeming to have warned you of their oncoming attack for some strange reason. It's now your go. What do you do? Recklessly, Malamara will drop her spear and uh, pull out both of her hand axes, and she will throw both of them using her action and her bonus action at the creature that is standing that she already hexed. Oh, so the the warrior in melee with Fleeple right now. Okay, sounds good. And with a reckless attack, that's with advantage on both of these, I believe. Yes. Okay, so ignoring the one in in front of you, just... uh, You take your hand axes and... Go and roll your first attack now. Uh, 18. 18 is a hit. And the second one is a 21. Both hit. Very nice. First one does... That felt so good. Double sixes. So 12, 13, 14 points of slashing damage... Oh, man. Plus six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven more. Wow. So, <laughs> Guys, I can really feel the level five at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> the DM is also feeling the level five. 
the DM being like, okay, the Mondath fight, this is what I know how to prepare for, is feeling the level fiveness right now. All right. Well, that's 25, right? Mm-hmm. Mal, as you chuck the axe over there, it, as you scream in a reckless rage, not rage quite yet, but recklessly, you chuck the axe, and as you, each axe you chuck, you hear this that laughter of your patron in your mind. <laughs> and the red of darkness, for lack of a better term, swirling around it, reaches out and pulls the axes towards the enemy. Impacting even harder. Impacting even harder. And this warrior, uh, who is wearing half plate, mind you, is now <laughs> coughing again with that rebirth effect. And you see this green liquid just spew from its mouth, looking really hurt. Really hurt. Having done a significant amount of damage with that attack. Mal, that was your action and your bonus action. You still have a, a movement. You are in melee with this uh, monk in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Uh, she will just turn her attention back to the monk and <laughs> wait for an inevitable thing to happen. Sounds good, Mal. That was your turn. Fleeple. The individual, the injured person directly on the ground in front of you is now gone. The warrior next to you is spewing up some sort of liquid. It's your go. What do you, what do, you do? I'm going to skirt around just a little bit so I'm not directly across from this guy with Lance. So it's more like on a corner, which means that I can cast Thunder Wave on him without hitting Lance. Excellent, excellent. So you cast Thunder Wave. That's a constitution save, right? Yep, and I'm going to... Let's make this a second level, why not? Ooh, DC 15. They got a 9. That is 20 thunder damage. So, yeah, I just clap my hands. Everybody clap your hands. <laughs> Does he do the cha-cha slide right away from me? That's how he's pushed. <laughs> He does fly 15 feet away from you, and as he does, the sword is jerked from his hand, not moving anywhere. It actually falls directly at your feet, Fleeple, as this body... <laughs> and he blasts into the air, into the branches, and his body, like, gets caught on a branch for a little bit before... falling to the ground, motionless. Cool. All right. Um, I think, let's see, neither of my friends have taken damage yet, have they? I don't think anybody's taken damage. We both have. I've taken 20 points of damage. <laughs> Sorry, it just was from one attack, so I was like, I haven't done anything this fight. I've just presented people for them to just brush it to the side, apparently. <laughs> Lance and Jake and I are like, heavy damage, thank you. <laughs> I, well, That's not, true. Not right? I was going to take 16, but then I halved it with Uncanny Dodge. Oh shoot! I was going to do I was going to do bonus action healing word, but that's a first level spell as well. So, okay. So what I'm going to do instead, I'm going to have my face spirit run up to the monk so that it's flanking with Mal, and we're going to do a short sword attack. Excellent. So your face spirit does it gallop over? Does it prance? Does it? Uh, it's it it's it's a mirthful spirit, so it definitely prances. There's some cavorting and some gallivanting. That is a 19 to hit. That's a hit. Okay, so that is going to deal, ooh, 11 piercing damage, plus two force damage. 
for a total of 13. This monk, seeing this spirit, is wary of it and just immediately attacks him, doing 13 points of damage. All right, and now bonus action phase step. Going to try and charm this this fella here. All right, and they have to do a wisdom save? Yeah. DC 15. Natural 20. Uh, well, okay, that's going to do it for Fleeple and his jovial friend. Okay. Any movement from you, Fleeple? For movement, I'm going to move in a little bit. Actually, yeah, I'm going to move in, let's say, half the distance, closing half the distance between me and Mal. Okay, sounds good. So instead of being 20 feet away, you're 10 feet away. Probably right by the roaring fire or or right next to it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds good. Well, it would be the warrior, but he is no more. Lance, it's your go. You're hidden. And you see this body just poof, over your head. Let the, let the body set the floor. All right. Do I for... Okay, who do I see then? Who is still in sight of these fighters? With your natural 20, uh, you can see there's only one enemy. And so you kind of like peer back the grass and you see that Fleeple has closed the distance, but Mal and the spirit are flanking the monk, which is about a good probably 30 feet away from you at this point as you rolled backwards into the grass. So I, dang it. So I only see one person. Okay. Correct. That injured one disappeared. Okay. I'm going to put away, I'm going to sheathe the two. Well, I only used my short sword technique the last time, so I'm going to sheath that, pull out the bow, and with me being hidden, I'm going to pop out, aim, and loose the arrow. All right, go ahead and roll damage. Damage right away? All right, okay. Sorry, no, sorry. Attack roll. (laughs) With advantage, because I was hidden. The short bow, that is a 19 to hit. 19 hits. Boom. All right, sneak attack damage. Yeah, all that sneak attack damage. 15. 15 damage. 15 damage. As you pop out, let the arrow loose. The arrow sinks into the side. And this creature is looking strangely determined. They're surrounded. They've taken a lot of damage. But the only focus is on Mal right now. Hmm. And they seem to be studying Mal. And they seem to be like, and Mal, you, you feel them searching you with their eyes. They're not just like gauging your strength. They're not just gauging you in battle. They are looking. So Lance, anything else you'd like to do? That was your action to attack. You still have a bonus action and a movement. I'm going to, yep, I'm going to bonus action, roll backward and hide. <laughs> Disappear. Great. Sounds good. Go and roll a stealth check. 17. 17 to stealth. Okay, we'll see if that was sufficient to hide you from maybe the other individual uh, one that disappeared as well. Great, so Lance, that is your go. It's this individual's turn. This monk that is surrounded, it's been slashed, doing damage, is bleeding this strange liquid. And Mal, they come at you, and they go to punch, but instead of going to punch, they grab you. And they're going to try and grapple you. Okay. So this is going to be an opposed check. You can either oppose this with an athletics or uh, acrobatics check. Sure. I will use athletics, and it is an 18. They only rolled a 13. So as they, they go to grab you, 
it's odd. Not only are they trying, to, they they start by grabbing your arms uh, and uh, you you shug it off, and they try a couple times here. This is just uh, the flavor of you. You push them up, but every time they are reaching into your coat, invasive, obviously. Again, trying to in it with that, like they're searching for something. They're they're grabbing inside your coat. They're trying to maybe they're going for your pouch area. They're feeling around your your leg, and it but you immediately just kind of kick them back. And they go, <laughs> they just kind of growl. And as they look at their surrounded, they mutter something under their breath. And they disappear. <sighs> We're still in initiative, though. So, that was their turn. The injured monk, also their turn goes by. We're actually at the top of the round. Mal, it is your go. You see no one around you, but we are still in initiative. That's never a good sign. Knowing that they're after something that I have or is coming after me, she will cast mirror image on herself. So three other illusionary Malamars pop up. All four of them bend down and pick up that spear again and just stand at an anxious stand in an anxious way waiting for something to happen excellent and that hex it comes back to her and Mm -hmm. yes the hex just kind of crawls up your leg now that the warrior has been defeated again getting used to the new passive perceptions here i'll say on mal's turn fleeple you're able to see this individual in particular they misty stepped and they apparate within 30 feet and you see a little poof in a, a tree on the other side on a branch. And they look back and they're trying to hunker down. But with your 17, you, you're you able to see them for sure. So Mal, wanting to keep that mirror image, I imagine, pick you up and you're ready. But that's all kind of happening at the same time right now. Is there anything you wanted to do with a, your bonus action, uh, Malamara? No. Okay, sounds good. We'll hop directly into Fleeple then, who uh, sees just what I described as that same individual who, as I mentioned, was surrounded. They disappeared into this tree branch there, but you are able to see it because you are insanely perceptive. Yeah. Oh, man. As as much as I love the versatility of druids, what I wouldn't give to be able to learn counterspell. Um, Right? I know. (sighs) You're like, Okay, well, I'm going to run under the tree, look up in the tree, and start applauding at this thing. Second level thunder wave to try and knock it out of the tree. <laughs> I thought you were literally going to go, oh, wonderful. Let's have some salami. Skill wonderful <laughs> teleportation you did there. As a 15 save? Yep. Okay. So they're not pushed back, but they still take half damage here. So go ahead and roll that. All right, uh, that's going to be 18 halved to nine. Nine, okay. As you go, oh, good job. And they, oh, they're gripping onto the trunk. They almost fall off, actually. And as they do start to fall off, they let their body completely fall backwards while their hand holds onto the branch and they swing right back up. And now they're just hanging onto the tree, uh, sort of like dangling, looking down at you and just breathing. <sighs> You think you're out of reach from my face spirit. Surprise, it can teleport onto the branch right next to you. Um, (laughs) 
So teleports up to the branch, wisdom saving throw. Okay. As it's teleporting, it actually yells something in this language that none of you understand with this weird reverberation. And then wisdom saving throw, that was cocked. 15. 15, I'm sorry. Gonna stab it. Big, big old stabby (laughs) stab on this guy. (laughs) Since he's not expecting a sheep to appear on the branch next to him, can I get an advantage on the attack? Ah, uh, no advantage because he did just try to get charmed, but he is looking very, very hurt. Okay, that's a 24 to hit. That's a hit. There you go. There you go. There, All you go. Right. there it is. There it is. Now, Fleeple, how do you want your spirit to do this? All right. The, yeah, so the spirit does a big old leap and then appears right next to it and does like a little spinning pirouette and like the creature turns to look at it like what the heck and the flat of the blade just smacks it right in that half Voldemort nose completely knocking it unconscious so that it falls out of the tree and I rush up and I start tying the thing up okay so you want to do non-lethal damage then non-lethal damage yes sounds good okay it's not tall enough to where it would take damage from the fall, so I'm not going to roll a death saving throw there. So unconscious, and you start just tying it up with uh, your bonus action, I would say. Yeah, so you're, you're starting the process, okay? Yeah, making sure to start with the hands and get something in the mouth so it can't cast spells. Excellent, okay. Lance, it is your go. We're going to stay in initiative for the time being because there mm-hmm. is one more mm-hmm. that is not accounted for here. All right. Knowing that, I am actually going to stay hidden and hold my action which is attacking till that other one pops out excellent okay so essentially not moving no bonus action holding an attack a ranged attack correct uh yeah okay sounds good could i like just to try and keep myself even more hidden could i bonus action hide like to try and like really just keep myself even more in in the brush Sure, I will allow you, um, I don't know what the exact rules are on this, but I'll allow you to roll another stealth check, and we'll say you keep the higher of the two that you rolled. I could even, like, shift a little bit, like, use some of my movement to shift, bonus action, hide, again, and then hold my action. And this makes sense, you are a paranoid individual by nature, so absolutely you would be like, alright, I'm gonna hide again type of a situation. So go ahead and roll another stealth check. Oh man, that was worse, that was worse, it's a 16. 16 so we'll keep the 17 from last time just uh well no just do the 16 do the 16 let me take my roll 16 sounds good you got it what i did okay we'll do 16 so you're 16 and you're just holding that action waiting Mm -hmm. um it's this unconscious monk's turn so they are not moving but still breathing you can see the rise and fall of their chest confirming that they are alive and then it goes to this the first injured individual who disappeared at the very beginning their turn goes by and you do not see them at all. I will have them roll a check here. Well, all of you here to the north in that also strange language. <laughs> reverberating on top of itself. Very disorienting here. But you can hear it's directly from the north, still hidden. You can't see them, but you did hear them in that direction, not too far off. We're at the top of the round. Mal, it's your go here. 
Okay, so I'm specifically looking at Hex. It says, if the target drops to zero hit points before the spell ends, you can use a bonus action on a subse subsequent turn of yours to curse a new creature. It does not specify that I have to be able to see the creature. Because hmm. it's you place the curse on a creature with, that you can see within range when I cursed it. But does that also mean... I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm So I'm leaving this to the DM. It does say that you can see within range when you cast it, but it doesn't specify on the subsequent turns to curse a new creature. Rules as written, it doesn't say you have to see them. So I'm going to say that you don't have to see them. You just have to be in range. Okay. And the range is 90 feet. And you are aware that they're in that general area. You can just kind of do a wide sweep with your hand. And as you do just that, you like... It's you grab the red that's this red energy flowing around you. You rip it off of your body, and as you do, you just chuck it in that direction, and it's like an eager dog trying to fetch a ball that just right into the the grass. And you see this red just start to illuminate ever so faintly, like it's latched onto something. So you are your hex was grabbed onto this individual, Lance. Would I be able to see where that red latched onto? Yeah, now you would be. Uh, and so it is faint slightly, but yes. Because I was holding my action till I like knew where the creature it's was. absolutely true. It is true. Because you don't actually see the individual, though, I will allow you to make an attack, but it will be with disadvantage because you just saw like this burst of like reddish darkness in the distance and it's within range so i'll allow you the attack but it would be with disadvantage if you'd like and be am i hidden from it yes you would be hidden and so it would just be a straight roll okay straight roll it let's see how that goes Ooh, that is a 24 no 22 22 hits and sneak attack because i was hidden as you see this uh well you don't get sneak attack because you're hidden you only get sneak attack if you get to roll with advantage so this one is actually not sneak attack. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. So that's okay. That's okay. I'm still damaging it. And it was pretty hurt. It was pretty hurt. It was very injured. I rolled a one on the damage dice. That's a four. Oh, no. Four damage. Four damage. Four. As you let loose this arrow being like, I hope it hits. You hear a. Yeah. 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 And like this damage was taken it crying out in pain. You're unsure if they're down or not because you can't see them, but Mal, you know they are still up and at them because your hex is still on them. So, Mal, that was your bonus action. You still have an action and a movement if you'd like. Correct. Um, from right where I am, I'm going to release an Eldritch Blast using that hex to guide that ranged spell attack. Okay. Now, Eldritch Blast, do you have to see for that one? No, I did just check it. Yeah, it just says a beam of crackling energy streaks towards a creature within range, and the range is 120 feet. So as long as you know that the creature is there, it's kind of like, I imagine, as long as you tell it, there is a creature here, heat-seeking missile, kind of, I imagine. That was kind of what I was imagining, especially using that story-wise, using the hex to guide it. Exactly, yeah. So we'll, we'll go with it, for sure. No, go for it. Eldritch Blast is uh, a 17... That does hit. Okay. Oh, wait. Actually, wait, 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 wait. No. Yes? No. Shield. No shield. Oh, it puts up a shield. As you shoot off this Eldritch Blast, you you know it's, it's going to hit it. You know it's going to hit, and all of a sudden you see this greenish hue of 
of the shield blocking the attack from a distance. It would have hit, but they saw it coming and they just, in a panic. So, that was your action, your bonus action, you still have movement. Yeah, I'm going to pick up that spear that I keep dropping to do other things with. Take it in two hands and (laughs) run toward the creature that's still down. Yeah, real quick. I was distracted looking up rules about cover. You're level five. Don't you get two Eldritch Blasts per casting? Did you do two? When I'm a warlock level three, I'm not. Cantrips are character level, not class level. That's true. Is they it? are character level, Mickey. Yes, yeah, so you get two. You get two Eldritch Blasts regardless, because it says you get two at level five. So you get to roll for another attack here. Oh my gosh! I thought that was only if I was warlock level five. A warlock, no. Nice. So yeah, and what I found about cover. Uh, there is the rule that if a target has total cover, it can't be targeted directly by an attack or a spell. Although some could potentially get it in an area of effect. But as long as there is empty space between you and the target, you can still hit it. Okay, sounds good. So, quite not what we're going with for this battle right now, but we'll keep going with what we're doing right now. He's, he's covered in grass. He's not covered in like a stone. So, For story-wise, can I tell with my hex how close he is? I would say, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's definitely within, you're definitely within 30 feet of him. hundred. Well, actually, no, he would, he would be like 50 feet away, but you could still rush up to him and see if you, he, maybe the clearing opens in front of you. Let's do that. And then I'll shoot off another, a second Eldridge Blast. Sure enough, as you break into the trees here, you get visual of this individual. And as you do, it's odd. They, they threw up the shield in one hand and in the other, they're gripping a piece of paper piece of parchment and just panting and like holding their side where the arrow uh, in- impacted and just <sighs> and you shoot off another Eldritch Blast yeah okay go and roll an attack uh 19 19 is shield a plus 5 shield is a plus 5 to the beginning of his next turn I think as soon as it goes up it stays till the beginning of his next turn his, AC, his new AC is 19 exactly, so you hit, miss. Aha! And that does five points force damage and three points necrotic. So eight. Malamara, tell us how it is done. Seeing he's already down and on the ground and it's force damage, the hex surrounds him. And as the Eldritch Blast comes at him and almost uppercuts him so it takes him in the chin and then that necrotic damage kind of spreads out from his chin and as he falls back it blackens his skin and he falls back into the grass mm-hmm. and as they fall back into the grass their hand seems to grip tightly onto the parchment and as it looks like they're trying to do something with it in their final moments and then they're unable to, and they just fall limp onto the ground, parchment falling out of their hands. And that's where we'll end this week's episode of iCast Fireball. Football For porcelain, guys, <laughs> right now you salon. cannot convince me that there's a better spell than Summon Fae. I love that. Summon Fae is way good. My way gosh. good. Uh, next level, week, right? Yeah, next week you might be able to convince me that there's a better spell, but right now, in my heart, 
my my little cavorty boy. I'm, oh, it's so good. I honestly, when I forgot about the charm person thing, I was like, okay, this is gonna go very interesting. It's so always like they uh, they they're gonna get charmed. They're gonna get charmed. It's and then they just barely saved every single time. Oh man, man, it was close. Oh, what a good episode here. What a good episode. We will get to it all in next week's episode of I Cast Fireball. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. We hope you, as always, enjoy listening as much as we've enjoyed playing. Wherever you get your podcast from, please leave us a review. It helps boost our ratings throughout each service, and it puts us into other people's recommended feeds, and it lets us know that you like what we're doing. Now, if you want to write something a little bit longer than a review, you could always email us at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. We're hoping to get the word out there, and of course, set this podcast on fire. Now, to get the most recent up-to-date content from all of us here, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter using the candle iCastFireball20. You can get possible sneak peeks of upcoming episodes. You can get a peek behind the DM screen to see... How did you create this encounter here that was supposed to be for fifth level players that they just brushed by with such ease? But regardless, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to our sister podcast, Improv Tabletop, where our resident kobold, Ned, and his possible face spirit run through many one month adventures using the Fate Accelerated Tabletop system. Whether you like tabletop games, improvisation, or just hearing more from Ned, we recommend you go give him a listen. And lastly, like, subscribe, and share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers. But until next time, I'm Thomas, your DM, and around the table we have Malamara, Lance Thalen, and Fleeple. Keep that fire going, everybody, and we'll see you next time.